one of the biggest weeks on the NFL calendar. And of course, it calls for one of the biggest guests you can get, especially this time of year as it goes with the NFL draft. I am Anthony Cazenza. This is the Orange and Black Insider, part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network. And I am joined by none other than NFL legend, super agent, Lee Steinberg, joining us once again. And last time we had John, it was a very special time in Bengals, uh, Bengals schedule, I guess, Bengals time, given that they were on the way to the Super Bowl. And now here we are a couple of years later, NFL draft. And uh, you know a thing or two about this weekend, don't you, sir? It's my favorite day of the year. It's all the hopes and dreams and practices and sacrifice, both for an athlete and his extended families from Pop Warner on have all led up to this event. And then it breaks in joy uh, when the player finally gets drafted. And even if he's disappointed by what round he's drafted and he's still happy that a player took him. So it's uh, uh, my favorite day of the year. And um, some of the players go to Kansas City uh, this week, but a lot of them will stay home and they get to have their extended families, their aunts, uncles, their high school coach, everybody with them. And some of those things are actually getting sponsored now. Uh, so it's draft day by uh, uh, wing stop or some other group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody's got their hand in, in something uh, this weekend. That's that's for sure. But um, happy to have you with us talking about the NFL draft. I, I guess before kind of we get into some of your Bengals-centric experiences with some players and some other facets of the draft. I guess, you know, one, one thing I just that comes to mind every time this this event rolls around is, I mean, you see things on TV. I, I've been to the draft and covered it as well for the, for the website, so I got a different look at that too. But, you know, you see things on TV in terms of like, you know, when the players get called and, you know, some of the drama that, that the, the, the TV likes to build up, you know, the networks like to build up. I mean, how, how close to accurate is is all of that or is it is it a bit unpredictable or is it a little bit more predictable than some of these networks like to play on so just understand that what makes it hard if you're not an agent or a player to accurately follow is that teams are not sharing their intimate draft secrets with other teams through the press so you read these statements by general managers and team personnel, and um, there's a generalized amnesty on lying or misleading uh, this week. You know, so if a general manager goes up to St. Peter after his life is over at the doors to heaven and St. Peter <laughs> says, what's the most egregious sin you did on earth? And he said, well, I misled our public about what we were going to do in the draft. St. Peter would say, come right in. <laughs> so wh what you have uh, is it's very difficult to follow. One of the biggest questions I'm always asked is, why are they taking 10 full minutes to make a pick in the first round when they obviously have had a draft board for months have done computer simulations as exactly who might be there when their turn comes up, have already done the pro and cons of that, have already decided who they're taking under any possible uh, combination. They're trading. They're listening to trade offers from a team that wants to come into their position 
or conversely, they're trying to move into a higher position. But the point is, that's that's what's ha- happening. Now, if you represent a player, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes is going through scouting. Well, teams are being very honest about what their intentions are. So the key is to recognize who those teams are that don't just like your player, but are so excited they want to uh, take them off the board. And when you know who those teams are, it's not such a uh, mysterious process. You're pretty sure that it might not be team one, but one of those four teams has stepped out and been real uh, uh, welcoming in the draft process is probably going to be the team. So you prepare your player for that and for when he might go so you don't have that embarrassing um, situation like where Brady Quinn ended up doing a virtual strip tease because he kept dropping below perceived <laughs> address. Yeah, it was the, the, the sport coat came off, and then I think he had, like, the vest, and that guy, yeah, yeah. I, I, I felt bad, obviously, when that when that situation took it's place. It's terrible, but here's the thing, Anthony. Just remember, at the end of it, this player who the experts projected to go number six, who went number 15 instead, is still the 15th best player in the entire country. And yeah. it's going to get a big contract. So they make it look like, uh, you know, the, the tragic uh, uh, collapse of someone's hopes and dreams. It's not. At the end of it, there's still a high draft pick. It just wasn't where the prognosticators said they'd go. Yep. Building the drama. We're talking, of course, to NFL giant Lee Steinberg of Steinberg Steinberg Sports and Entertainment and, of course, the architect behind the Agent Academy. We'll hear about that in just a little bit here. I have a, a question for you because obviously I know quite a bit about your storied history with the league and the players you've represented. We'll get to some of the former Bengals you represented as well. But have you ever had a player that was dealt and traded on draft day, whether they demanded it themselves or um, you know, the, the team just kind of happened to move them for a pick. I, the reason I asked this, and it's okay if the answer is no, but the reason I asked this is because the Bengals are in a situation now where they signed uh, a guy who protected your client, Patrick Mahomes, Orlando Brown Jr. Um, they signed him, and now uh, their, their, their former starting left tackle, Jonah Williams, is potentially asking for a trade here. That's something Bengals fans are monitoring this weekend. So, I, I don't know. Have you? Well, the best you, way of getting traded is not to say anything because what happens when a player steps out and says, you must trade me publicly. Then what happens is the rest of the league knows that the incumbent team's got a problem on their hands and offers ridiculously weak uh, trade offers. And it makes it harder to trade the player for someone respectfully. If you think that, another place is better, that's fine, but make all that behind the scenes to give your team the best chance to actually, uh, uh, this is unintended consequences where you ask for the public trade and it makes it much harder to trade you. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm in total agreement with you with the, the fact that, you know, I mean, the player diminishes the re- the return for the team when that, when that, uh, you know, trade me kind of, ultimatum is put out there. So we'll see what happens with the Bengals in that situation there. I do want to transition a little bit because you have a lot of history with the Cincinnati Bengals, particularly in the 1990s with some high draft picks, be it Dan Wilkinson, Kajana Carter, 
Akili Smith, David Klingler. I want to start with with the latter real quick because I, you know, when we were talking about getting you on, I did a, a little bit of research and I found this image and I want to share this image with you. But there was a a bit of a surprise with David Klingler, if I remember correctly. And I think you had said, you know, this is a picture of you and him on on the couch, I believe, and you look pretty shocked in that picture. I believe you had said that there has been minimal, if not no, conversations with the Bengals with you or seemingly interest with, with in David Klingler during this draft. And so you were kind of shocked when the Bengals pulled the trigger there, particularly when they still had Boomer Esiason on the team. So that's ESPN on live with David Klingler and my son. And we're watching the draft. So we've got it all charted out. Like I told you, hot teams with Cincinnati wasn't one of them. So we were just sitting waiting for the next picks to come up because we knew he'd be picked later. Well, the Bengals picked him. And and to my everlasting uh, uh, regret, I said, oh, no, Mike Brown. (laughs) (laughs) You know, which... said publicly, but uh, it all started in 1975 where I had Steve Bartkowski and then the second player who asked me to represent him was a punter wide receiver Mm. named Pat McAnally. And um, back then there was no guaranteed right of representation. The team could simply say, we don't deal with agents. And that's how it started. Mike Brown said, well, I'm not talking to you. We don't deal with agents. And and that got the relationship going about the way it continued. Oh, it's a, it's a funny, uh, definitely a funny anecdote, funny story. And that image I came across, I was like, wow, that's just a, an image that speaks a, a lot of words, particularly with, unfortunately, how the trajectories of some of those picks went, the careers of those. So, um, you know, we're we're talking, of course, with Lee Steinberg, um, mega agent and the inspiration behind the Jerry Maguire movie and, uh, you know, just catching up with him, obviously, during draft weekend. Nothing like talking some football with him. Some of the other people that you have represented, um, you know, one one particular, and I think he made a cameo in the Jerry Maguire movie, if I'm not mistaken, is Kajana Carter. Um, and he surprisingly went, I think the Bengals traded up and got took him number one overall. Unfortunately, the, the knee injury, um, you know, kind of derailed his career, so to speak. But did you have an idea that the Bengals were going to do that with Kajana Carter going forward? I mean, how, how far in advance was this kind of in, in the works uh, going into that weekend? So that was 1995. And um, I had two players that were slated probably to go to number one and number two in the draft because Carolina had the first pick. And I had a quarterback, Kerry Collins, that they especially wanted. So I remember talking to Carolina and them saying, you know, we're going to take Kerry Collins number one and Jacksonville was number two and they were going to take Tony Vaselli. No, Jacksonville was number two. They were going to take Kajana Carter. But right in the middle of that, um, Cincinnati traded up and took Carolina's space. Cincinnati was five and Carolina was one, and they flipped spots. And so, um, again, teams are pretty honest about their interest and intention as long as the agent doesn't cross-fertilize 
the information you're getting. In other words, let it out to other teams. So we knew that he liked that. And, and of course, Mike Brown's um, singular focus is always on Ohio State. And uh, Kajana didn't go there. He went to Penn State. But he's from Westerville, Ohio, which is a suburb of Columbus. So I think they had a special feeling. And you'll never really have a sense for just how great Kajana would have been because he had a non-contact injury where he blew out his knee and nobody hit him. He just said, my foot stuck in the rug. Stuck in the rug. Oh my gosh. That, uh, and that unfortunately has been the story of a lot of different high picks from the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, you know, be it just not working out or, or injuries and, um, yeah, unfortunately too, their own stadium was kind of one that, uh, derailed quite a, quite a few careers here. Transitioning, if you would, just a little bit to this year's class. Um, and what kind of, what, what are you seeing and what are you hearing? What are you expecting to happen over the course of, uh, you know, that this weekend here, any, any big surprises towards the top of the draft? And of course, if you're, if you're looking at the Cincinnati Bengals at the, in that first round there, where they're picking at 28. Where where do you think that they may be looking, or have you heard any rumors on that front? Not much, but the reality is today in football, it's all about the franchise quarterback, the quarterback that you can win uh, because of rather than with, um, a uh, quarterback that you can build around for the next 10 to 12 years, and who importantly in critical adversity, someone – has thrown a couple interceptions, the crowd's booing, the game's hitting at the end. What does he do there? Can he elevate his level of play and take a team to and through the Super Bowl? So that's what teams are, are looking for. They're looking for Joe Burrow. They're looking for Patrick Mahomes. They're looking for uh, Aaron Rodgers or Justin Herbert or, or uh, uh, Baltimore's quarterback and, and Lamar Jackson and – so I think you could see as many as four or five quarterbacks go. Now, if they're ranked the same as a position player, because of the intense desire and the fact that a team never wants to be that high in draft order again, right. they get bumped up and picked before. So it's entirely possible that in the first six or seven picks, you'll see um, uh, Bryce Young go to Carolina and then um, – O.J. McDuffie go to Indianapolis and somebody will uh, take uh, Anthony Richardson from uh, Florida. Someone will take uh, Will Levis from uh, Kentucky mm -hmm. and maybe even um, Hooker. And so I think you'll see that happen. In a normal draft, the first pick would be the defensive tackle from from uh, Georgia, but he got into some off the field yeah. shenanigans and teams are petrified to take a, a draft pick higher who underachieves because then they're stuck with, uh, they paid the bonus. They have a, a, all that money against the cap and now the player doesn't, uh, doesn't work out. So I think that's the way uh, the draft goes. Quarterback's pretty high. And then after that, you'll start seeing, uh, offensive and defensive linemen. And then, of course, I mean, I, I'm sure you'll agree that, you know, with the 
you know, the way that the CBA now um, was restructured about a, a little over a decade now and continues to be that the fact that, uh, you know, rookie rookie salaries and wages are far less than what some of those contracts you negotiated for those those top picks for the Cincinnati Bengals. So, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is that teams are way more apt to take a little bit more of a chance on some of these players because the financial risk is far, far lower than what it used to be 15 plus years ago. It's lower um, in in the sense that the salary years are capped, um, but you're still paying a big signing bonus in those yeah. 10 to 15 uh, picks. The first player drafted probably gets $24 million. And the cap experienced its biggest one-year hike ever. And the football is rolling in money. They did a new TV contract where – uh, for the next uh, uh, 10 years, uh, Fox went up by 83% and so did um, CBS. And so the sport is just, whether it's from stadium naming rights or luxury boxes or merchandise and memorabilia or now gambling or, or uh, everything, uh, TV revenue is off the top. And so uh, teams are in especially great shape this year talking with lee steinberg and we're going to hear about the agent academy he has coming up along with uh all of the great things that he does for the sports community before we do you mentioned both their names quickly i gotta ask you about this you obviously represent the great patrick mahomes joe burrow has now brought uh really ascended the Bengals to a you know a conference powerhouse and these two teams have clashed over the past two years in some of the, the best football games of the year, be it postseason or regular season. I would just love to get your thoughts as you represent Patrick Mahomes. Like I said, your thoughts on this rivalry, how it's budding and uh, really kind of becoming, usually you see this kind of animosity or, or friendly competition, whatever is somewhere in between. Usually you see it in the division, not really across divisions like this, but these two teams are really starting to kind of build a, a really great rivalry. I remember going to uh, golf tournaments back in the day that had uh, Dan Marino and John Elway and Warren Moon and Steve Young and Troy Aikman there. And these people ended up the best of friends because there are <laughs> a few people who can really understand what the position's about, what the pressures are, and they end up being big admirers of each other. So I can't go into the head of those two players, but I will tell you it would greatly surprised me if they didn't have a mutual admiration society. I would, I would agree with you. I think there's a lot of mutual respect there. I think just because both teams are so very good, both quarterbacks are so very good. That's where the competition is and that's where the fire burns. So um, you can uh, congratulations on all of your success over many, many years representing so many players in the league. I know you've got, uh, a couple of special projects. You have a great, and I'm going to put the the link in our uh, description to the uh, the Amazon link to your book, The Agent, published a handful of years ago. My 40 year career making deals and changing the game. Uh, so we'll put that in there and promote that as well. But you also have a special project, The Agent Academy. I'm going to pull up the Twitter account and we'll put that in the description as well. Tell tell us a little bit about that, if you would how people could get involved and, um, you know, just uh, what you got going there. So we have two of them coming up. One is Las Vegas, which is uh, 
a couple days, uh, July 23rd and 24th, and then we're doing one September 1st on the net, which will be done via Zoom. So what I wanted to do was pass down the accumulated knowledge of 49 years to a new generation of sports professionals. And they come out of law school and business school and sports marketing and, and undergrad and very enthusiastic. But we thought, can we train them? And what we do is we teach about the art of recruiting. And then we have an exercise where they go and they actually have to recruit a real player. Uh, we talk about the art of negotiating, and then they actually have to go out and uh, negotiate. We talk about how to market and to brand and to deal with NILs, and uh, we have exercises on that. And then crisis control. What do you do when the athlete, hopefully you've prevented it, but what do you do when the athlete gets in trouble? Yeah. And so, uh, and charitable and community, as you know, our practice is about athletes retracing their roots and going back to the high school community, setting up a scholarship fund or working with the church or boys and girls club, going to the university community and, uh, and helping with retrofit the weight room or give us special scholarship. And then at the pro level, a charitable foundation, um, which has the leading business figures, political figures and community leaders that executes a program. So it's work done putting the 200 single mother and her family in the first home they'll ever own. And, or Patrick Mahomes 15 and, and the Mahomes, which helps youth charities. So we explain to them how to do that. And so um, this is gonna be a new generation of ethical principled uh, young agents, but they've been trained with specific skills. That's awesome. And I mean, you know, I, I know we've got a lot of readers and listeners on Cincy Jungle and on this program that uh, are aspiring, you know, sports agents doing a lot of different things in the industry. So uh, I know they are they will be interested in that at the Agent Academy on Twitter. And of course, the great Lee Steinberg joining us. Thank you so much for your time. It's always, uh, you know, anytime we get a legend on this show, I'm I'm thrilled. And you are most definitely that. And you have a lot of ties from the for the Cincinnati Bengals. I I think I told you the last time you were on, I'm a Southern California guy, Orange County guy. So I know you do a lot of stuff with my alma mater at Concordia University. And I know I see on Fox 11 quite a bit as well, breaking down the NFL. And I always, uh, I always tune in and, and uh, always give a little tip of the cap from afar to you, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Anthony. Thanks for your time. Take care.